Good morning, everyone. Good morning. I bring you greetings from your brothers and sisters at Hope Church NYC and our Pastor Drew Hun. Um, we have so much love for y'all. And I don't know if you all know this, but your church is kind of famous. You didn't know, right? No. Yeah, your church is kind of famous. The story about your church and the story about your pastor has been such an encouragement a challenge and a blessing to so many in this city. And I want to even say around the country and around the world. You may not know, but people know about y'all, okay? And about the work that God is doing here in this church. So I want to say I thank God for you. I am grateful for you. I, I, I'm already filled up by our worship. So thank you, Aaron, for leading us. That was, ooh. I was like, I don't need to preach today. I already got a word. And then the, the vulnerability of sharing, hey, this is where... I see God at work in my life. Here's where I am messing up. Here is where I am sorry about these things. Here's where I'm grateful about what's happening. Uh, how, many, how many of y'all had something happen this week that just didn't make sense? Come on, y'all live in New York. Some, a lot of things don't make sense. How many of y'all had something happen in 2023 this year that just, ah, man, they just didn't make sense. We don't know why this thing happened the way it happened. You know, we, um, we don't have shortage of moments as we get older, right, where there is confusion, there's pain, there's struggle, there, there's disappointment, there's suffering, there's betrayal, there are things that happen, and we're like, Lord, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't sign up for this one. I didn't order this at the drive-thru. And what do we do then when we hit those moments? What do we do... When the things in our lives don't seem to fit together the way that we think they're supposed to. So this morning I want to encourage you with a message that I'm titling, The Pieces Have a Purpose. The Pieces Have a Purpose. And we're looking at Romans chapter 8, verse 28 to 29. I'm, I'm going to read that for us. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who, who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. It's a reading of God's word. I, I, uh, my, my beautiful family's here, um, my wife Jeannie, my two little girls. And I'm going to show you a picture of my two little girls here. Uh, they're incredible. The, I am blessed, I know. And I learned so much from being able to be a dad to these beautiful little humans, okay? And the Lord teaches me so much about them and about how, um, how to love and care for them, but how he loves and cares for us. Now, one of the things that my girls love is doing puzzles. And, and you know, it's, and, I got, and I got a little puzzle I stole from home here, right? And, you know, when, when, and it's good for the girls. They get to learn how to, you know, arrange things together and, and you know it's good for their learning and their development and you know when you first get started what you do is you start with the four-piece puzzle okay so when they're first starting out usually you start for the, the first the four-piece puzzle and, and you get um, and this is what you do as dad you put the pieces pretty much where they're supposed to go and you show them how they're supposed to click together and so my older Jordan, uh, my older daughter Jordan, and my younger daughter Sophie, when they first started doing puzzles, I would lay it out in front of them, and they would come in, and they would snap the pieces together. They would look at me and smile and say, I did it! And I would say, yes, you did. But in my mind, I was like, no, I did it. Okay, I'm letting you get this one, but it was really me, right? 
but after a while they don't need me anymore. I just take, you know, give them the box, they open it, those four pieces go together very easily. And when they graduate then from that puzzle, they go to the next puzzle, the 10-piece puzzle, the 25-piece puzzle, the 50-piece puzzle. All of a sudden you get to 500-piece puzzles, and this right here is a 1,000-piece puzzle. 1,000-piece puzzle. Now here's what happens when you, when you graduate up to the 1,000-piece puzzle. Okay? There are two things that happen. One is that the box becomes that much more important. If you're a puzzle person, okay, you know that when you have a lot of pieces, the more pieces you have, the box becomes that much more important because the picture on the box tells you what the puzzle is supposed to look like when you're done. You don't have the picture, you don't know how to do the puzzle. Okay, So the box becomes more important, and we're going to talk more about that in a minute. The other thing that happens is that when you have thousands of pieces and you drop them all over the place, there will inevitably come to the point, no matter how good you are at doing puzzles, no matter how old you are, how experienced you are, there will come a point where you don't know how these pieces are supposed to fit together. And you don't know where they're supposed to go. My kids, um, my older one is six, my younger one is four, they have very different responses when they hit that moment of where the pieces don't fit where they're supposed to fit. Or they're not sure how to put two pieces together or where this one is supposed to go or where this one is supposed to go. My older girl, Jordan, she's a perfectionist. She's very, she works very hard and when she hits that point, she gets very down on herself. She gets very down on herself. Her shoulders slump a little bit, she starts to get real sad on her face. She'll maybe even start to get real emotional, almost start to cry. Because she gets to the point where she says, I, I can't do this. I can't, I'm not good at this. I can't do this. My younger one, on the other hand, has a very different response. She's sitting in the back. Don't talk to her. I'm, she's, she's, I'm talking about it right now, okay? But my younger one, Sophie, when she hits that moment, she, she flies into like a four-year-old fit of rage, okay? She, when, when that happens, she starts screaming and yelling, throwing pieces across the room, tossing the pieces up in the air. She is just not having it. She starts yelling. She says, it's broken. The puzzle's broken. Somebody broke it. Who ruined my puzzle? Because in her mind, Something's wrong with the puzzle. Now think about those responses. My older one thinks that something's wrong with her. My younger one thinks that something's wrong with the puzzle. Y'all ever been there before? How do we respond? How do you respond? How do I respond when the pieces of our lives don't fit? When things come into our life, when relationships don't work out the way you want them to? When things at your job don't work out the way you want them to? When you don't have the job that you want? When finances aren't there? When health is not failing you or the health of your loved ones is not where you want it to be. Again, when we suffer in ways that we did not think or imagine could happen, what is our response? Now, again, as dad, no matter if it's my older one or my younger one, no matter what their response is, I want to come and comfort them and say, you know what? Hey, I get where you are. I understand what's happening to you. I don't want you to stay here, though. I'm going to meet you where you are, but I don't want you to stay here. 
because there's, there's something on the other side of this. Sometimes when we hit that moment, we don't know what we need, right? We don't even know. And sometimes when, when people in our lives, when, when we hit that moment, they're not sure what we need either. They're not sure how to respond to us, how to comfort us, how to give us direction. I've been in church for a little while. I became a believer when I was 18 years old, and I am now 44. I just turned 44. Thank you. <laughs> Now, in that time, uh, and, and here's what I learned about being in church for these many years, is that when you come to the point in your life, or when someone around you comes to the point in their life, where things don't make sense, where they may be either angry or frustrated or upset or despondent, someone might come along and take it upon themselves to share with you a Bible verse, whether you ask them to or not. And sometimes in church, this Bible verse that someone may choose to take upon themselves to share with you or the person that is struggling is Romans 8.28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And this is a powerful verse. This is a verse that for, for some, they, this has gotten them through hard times. This is something that they, they write down in their journal. They have up on the wall that's in a pillow somewhere at grandma's house because it's a powerful verse. But can I tell you something that we may know? That this verse and the way that it has been given to people, maybe with or without their permission, is the reason that some folks may never fo set foot in church ever again. This verse is the reason that they don't know if they could trust God. They don't know if God is good. It's the reason they walk away from their faith. Because there are pieces that they're holding and they don't know how in the world God could ever use this for good. A broken relationship, a lost child, a lost job, an unfulfilled dream? How in the world, God, could you use this for good or for any good purpose? I think about a verse like Romans 8.28 like a piece of dynamite. Okay? Because used in its proper context, dynamite can lead to extraordinary breakthrough. Okay? Like there were barriers and obstacles that existed now because you use that dynamite a way is cleared and a path forward is created. But just like dynamite, if you misuse or mishandle it, it could cause a lot of harm for you and for others. This is a dynamite verse. Because here's what happens when we mishandle a verse like this. That we may think that the good that God wants to give us, the good that God wants to do is my good is the good that I want. So here's some ways we might mishandle Romans 8.28. Because God loves me, only good things should happen to me. If I love God and if I serve God, then not as many bad things should happen to me, or at least less than other people. If I love God and I'm called by God, I should get, be able to get the job that I want. If I love God, then I should never have conflict or pain in my relationships. 
if I love God, then I'm always going to get a parking spot. That's the danger of taking one verse like this and, and, and put, taking it through my lens of what I want and then building your whole theology around it. Because, friends, this, that's, I don't believe that that's what the Apostle Paul is trying to teach us in this verse. That God's going to take all the pieces and give it to your good because, and make your life comfortable and easy exactly the way you want. Because, friends, that's not even what Paul says in the rest of this chapter. The Apostle Paul is living in a time where he knows that persecution, that danger, that pain, even in his own life, even for his friends in the early church, was a real and present reality. This is what he says. Earlier in, in, chap in chapter 8, verse 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Paul's very clear that in his time, everybody suffered. Everybody dealt with hard things. And you know, the secret was, it wasn't even really a secret, that if you love Jesus, you actually had it worse. If you love Jesus, there was more persecution, more pain, more suffering that might come your way. Anyone here sometimes you feel like, man, my life is harder because I love Jesus. <laughs> it, it's... Even if you love God, things will happen that don't make sense. Even if you love God, because we live in a world that it moves that is fallen and broken, that moves more towards disorder and decay than order and peace, that we, will also, that we will also suffer. John Stott, the theologian, um, he, this is what he said. Uh, I think we have the, verse up here, the, the quote up here. This is our Christian dilemma. Caught in the tension between what God has inaugurated by giving us his spirit, amen, and what he will consummate in our final adoption and redemption. We groan with discomfort and longing. The indwelling spirit gives us joy and the coming glory gives us hope. But the interim suspense gives us pain. Again, oh, it's, this is uh, from John Stott, who's a theologian. He was, he was a commentator. He was talking about from actually this, this chapter, this passage. If we think that the purpose is our good, an easy-peasy life, laying on a beach somewhere, that's where I'm supposed to get to, somewhere down in the Caribbean, no one bothering me, then we set ourselves up for disappointment. Because Paul doesn't leave us at Romans 8.28. He gives us verse 29. This is what he says in verse 29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Eugene Peterson, in his message version of this passage, this is what he says. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the 
outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. The son stands first in the line of humanity he restored. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. So this is what Paul says to us. The picture on the box is not a better, more perfect life for you and for me, chilling on a beach somewhere. The picture on the box is a life that looks more like Jesus. The picture on the box is a life that is shaped and conformed more to the life and to the character of Jesus. That's what the, that's what the pieces are coming together to form. And think about the life of Jesus. So many things happen in the life of Jesus don't, that don't make sense. The living Son of God born in a manger. The Messiah walking around with these ragtag group of disciples that constantly disappoint Him. That will one day betray Him. The one who did nothing wrong, arrested and beaten. on a cross. The resurrection was preceded by the crucifixion. How in the world is that supposed to fit together? That does not make sense. Jesus says he's beaten as he is tortured on a cross to the people that have done this to him says and prays for them and says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Doesn't seem like it fits together. But that's who Jesus is. That's the way that, that God has restored and chosen to forgive us and redeem us and give us new life. So again, our life, when the pieces all come together in the way that God has designed, even though it may not feel like it makes sense to us, they come together to look more like the life of Jesus. So what does that mean? There's nothing that God cannot use. There's no circumstance. There's no pitfall. There's no mistake. There's no tragedy. Even though God may not, and, and tell me what it says, I do not believe that God is, is happy when we suffer. I don't believe that. But I do believe that God can use even the worst tragedy for his purposes to make us more like Jesus. God can use anything. If we believe that following him is ultimately what, it's, what we're going after. There's a young man in Mark chapter 10, a rich young man who comes to Jesus and asks him the question, um, good teacher, how must I inherit eternal life? We don't know much about this young man except that he's young and that he's rich. And so Jesus asked him, well, what, what's in the law? How do you read it? And, he, and, and this young man, again, because he probably did well in school, followed all the things, he, he lived his life up until the right. He gives him all the right answers. And Jesus says, you're right. And in, in Mark chapter 10, I, it's one of my favorite passages in Scripture. It says, as Jesus, before he said something to this young man, it says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. Jesus looked at him and loved him. And he said, one thing you still lack, go sell all your possessions and then come and follow me. If you want eternal life, if you want to truly be with God, 
Sell everything you have and come follow me because I'm the way to get there. And this young man walked away disappointed because he had great wealth. When we think the picture on the box is supposed to be the rich and beautiful and comfortable kind of life, inevitably we will come to the point where we might get disappointed. But when we know that God can use anything, anything, to help us to look more like him. Man, there's no, the possibilities are endless, right? Right, there is no closed door to what God can do. Now, here's the tension, though, friends. Here's a couple things that I've learned, though. That even though we know that God, again, the picture on the box is a life that looks more like Jesus, that God can take these pieces and put them together in the way that, that he wants to. Here's a couple things that I've learned. First is this. I always thought that life was like this. You get all the pieces at the same time and you get to make sense of them and you just try to figure out to figure it out. But as I've gotten older, what I've realized is that I don't think you get all the pieces at the same time. Sometimes you have a piece and you have no idea what it's supposed to fit to. It may take a while for the Lord to give you some clarity on how this piece is supposed to fit to another piece. I've learned this from my wife. I learned so many things from my wife. Um, she was telling me about her story as when we first got together. Um, so years and years ago, my, my wife dealt with a pretty severe case of uh, insomnia, chronic insomnia. For about 18 months, my wife um, was not able to sleep a full night. And there were some weeks, weeks, where she would sleep maybe less than 10 hours for the week. So she, was, so she had to go on work disability, and it was just a very painful moment you know, time of her life. And she would tell me during that time that there were nights where she would be on the floor weeping and crying because she just wanted to sleep in so much pain. And she didn't know why God wouldn't just let her sleep. And during that time, the Psalms became a really important source of comfort for her because one, the Psalms um, gave her permission to cry out and to be angry and to, and to complain to God. But the, the Psalms also gave her comfort that, that God could meet her in that moment. It was okay for her to be in that place and to pray and to cry out and to sing. And this is what, what Jeannie would tell me is that um, one of the things that she learned during that time is that, that there were some Psalms that she could only read or pray the first part of it. Because this is what she told me, is that sometimes we read through Psalms too quickly. We think that we can go from verse 1 to verse 6 in one sitting and everything's going to work out. But life doesn't work like that, right? Because sometimes you're in the valley of the shadow of death for a while. For a while. Before you can get to, and surely his goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Sometimes it takes some time. And friends, this is what I want to tell you, is that if you're in that place today, you're still in verse 3. You don't know how you're going to get to verse 6. God is with you. God is gracious to you. God hasn't given up on you. You are not outside God's plan. He's still working it out for his purpose. It just may take a little bit more time. The second thing that I've learned is that I think 
that I have all the pieces for myself. I think that I get all the pieces at the same time, and I think that I have all the pieces myself. And this is what I've learned, because um, here's another way that I think we mishandle Scripture, is that we think the story of Scripture is all about us. Like, is, the Bible is just about Jesus and Mike, and about God doing things in Mike's life, and that's not at all what's happening here. Because when Paul wrote chapter 8, when he wrote this letter to the Romans, he wrote to the church. He said, you all, the community... So it's not just individually that you are being pieced together to look like Jesus, but actually together as a community, you all are supposed to look like Jesus. You are being invited to look like Jesus individually and corporately because we're invited into God's family. So maybe the piece that you have that, that you don't understand how it's supposed to fit, maybe your piece fits not to something in your life, but to something in the life of someone else. I got a chance to be a youth pastor for a good, good number of years, and it was, it was a tremendous blessing. And um, I got to share about my own life and about growing up, and, and I'll get real candid with, with young people. Um, I grew up in Southern California. My parents were immigrants from Korea, and, and just we went through all through the struggles of being immigrants and, and financial struggles and family struggles and cultural struggles and all that. And, and in my early ministry, I got a chance to speak to a lot of young people who, who were very similar background to me. And I'll share with them my story. I'll share with them my story of growing up and about the pain that I went through and, and, and the ways in which I, I felt like nothing was ever good enough. But eventually how I, I was met by God and, and how I came to know the gospel. And this is what would happen, friends. Almost without a doubt whether I was at a youth night or a retreat or a conference or a praise night or something, that there would be a, a 14, 15-year-old young man who would come up to me and say, Pastor Mike, what you were talking about, how you grew up, that's me right now. How did you forgive your dad? How did you know that God still loved you even though you always feel like you're a failure? How, how did you know that you are worth more than your performance and your grades? And what I realized is that all that stuff growing up that I did not want or ask for, in that moment, that peace fit with his peace. God had a purpose for it. And together, because I was able to, to care for him and share God's love with him, that our pieces together, we looked a little bit more like Jesus in that moment. Friends, what if, what if there's a piece in your life that makes no sense on its own, but because you are able to fit your piece with a piece of somebody else, because you're able to share your story, even the stories of pain, we all as a church, we all as Next Step Community Church, we all as a church in New York City are able to look more like Jesus together. And that means that every single one of us are important to the puzzle. We can't look like, look at the person next to you saying, we can't look like Jesus without you. Yeah, please. Look to the person next to you saying, we can't look like Jesus without you. Because every single one of us have a piece to contribute together. So here's the question. What purpose 
might God have, might your peace have for someone else today? What purpose might your peace have for somebody else? The things that are going on in your life, and think about it again, the things that don't make sense. What purpose might that have in the life of somebody else? And maybe it's just to be able to say, hey, you know what? You're struggling? Me too. You're in pain right now? Me too. You're tired right now? Me too. But you're not tired alone. You're not walking through this alone. We are together in this. Because we're two or three, two or, two or more gathered. What does Jesus say? There I am in the midst of them. Wow. What if when we are in community together, we get to experience Jesus in a way that we may not get to alone? We need each other. The peoples, the pieces have a purpose. God uses it all. God uses each one of us.